0: Well in a in a remarkable turn up for the books not only do i believe not only do i believe that i'm on time uh, but i believe that we are pumping out live across all the airwaves uh, hello everyone um i need to do my usual we are live tweet don't i cuz good grief that 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 obs actually worked really rather quickly there uh, golly let me do something about that here we are. Uh, there we go quote tweet we are live exclamation mark for rail matter, there, yeah, marvelous. Everyone can everyone can see what the situation is. Good, marvelous. Pin that to profile. Here we go. Everyone, um, it's rail matter. We are talking about one of the great questions, one of the great questions. Episode one hundred and sixty-four. Should you go fast or slow over a collapsed rail bridge?
1: Ooh.
0: Well. Uh. Before we do that, we have to talk about. Uh the um the class one sixty four in first generation tops which became the class uh one eleven? Dang I forgot. Anyway, might be the one two one. I think it's a one eleven nerd MetroCam nerds out there. Go, go, go. Uh here it is. Look, it, uh, just a completely haggard looking Bradford Interchange. Bradford Interchange looks pretty much the same as this today. Um anyway, there it is. Nice little two-car unit. Shout out to the class one sixty four. Without further ado, because we're going to get we're going to get straight into it this morning, this morning, this evening could be this morning, could be morning where you are. Uh, If it's morning where you are, good morning. Uh, Don't forget to put the bins out. Um, Although that's an evening thing, which we often forget to do. in the Evening anyway. I digress. Right, come on, let's let's get on with this. Um, Welcome to tonight's rail matter, everyone. city 225 fades away oh, it's always very calming and settling isn't it um yes that was a bit of a rate my buffer to Gareth yes you're right um not not me Gareth avid viewing Gareth um a quick bit of news not much news today uh, firstly uh, the office of railroad are doing everything but regulating again uh, I'm uh, lots of good people in the orR hello to everyone in the orR but I do get very frustrated at how, at the extent to which they don't do any regulation, and seem to be very, very seldom do they ever do anything that actually holds any of the railway to account, including it meeting any of its own targets on anything, and that includes um, providing timetable information up to twelve weeks in advance. And I particularly enjoyed David Horn, David Horn, um, manager of LNER. He is one of the good guys. Um, uh, d- d- yes, some people might have uh, struck with really frustrations with LNER, but uh, I can promise you David Horn is one of the good guys. As a manager, as a railway manager, he is one of the good guys. LNER, we've invested in technology so our customers can check times and book tickets up to six months in advance. The regulator is seeking views on proposed industry-wide changes to provide timetables only eight weeks before travel. I added only, uh, I added only in there, but let's just say, this is David Horn giving a passag, what the hell, why are we going backwards, not forwards? Um, I enjoy passag. I enjoy managers d- 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 elbowing the wriggle room they've been given by Treasury and DFT. Um, hello, Martha. Lovely to see you again. Um, so, anyway, yes. Uh, this this is on a number of levels frustrating because firstly, um, the ORR doing this consultation is them admitting that the railway is just singularly failing to to be robust to provide robust timetables to its passengers but also this consultation is dreadful it's like a you have to download a, a doc, doc file uh, you have to download a, a, a open word to get it to you know I, I, it's just a shambles what or what the hell are you doing do an online consultation it's not 1999 like there is a thing you can do online consultations if you want to get actual answers, do online consultations, not the rubbish that you've put up. For, come on now. Resources might be thin, but it does not cost much to create an online consultation. You can do a Google form. You can just do a Google form. Uh, yeah, if people can't book a train in advance, but they can book a flight, that's a fun incentive. Yeah, absolutely, Martha. I couldn't agree more. Um, the reality is that all of our competitors, you can plan ahead. The railways, you should be able to do so as well. Like This is just pathetic. Come on. And a lot of that's infrastructure issues. A lot of it's dr- the fact that drivers just can't. It's just p- it's pitiful. It's really bad. Anyway, so um, thanks, David, for some passag. or are just not actually doing the regulating bit of its job, which is most of its job since it is the regulator. Um, also, a fun little thing sent through by the other Gareth um, uh, is, uh, trains pretty bad, says Guy, you can fix them. This is a bit mean because the reality is that the Welsh Government can only do so much because they don't have full devolution of rail in the same way that Scotland does. But it's quite funny that Lee Waters, who is um, the, the the Welsh kind of Welsh Assembly Minister for Transport, uh, is sort of said the experience of using the nationalised transport for Wales system can be uh, pretty bad and and used phrases like pretty bleak for a while. I'm not sure to the extent that's entirely true there's there's a decent amount of new stock like there's there's a decent amount of of sort of I, I don't know but progress comes in leaps and bounds right so yeah it's interesting that there's a a bit of a um yeah a bit of a ill feeling amongst travellers across Wales at the moment there are a lot of problems with the railways like the the that's the, There will be a leap when all the new trains are running, I'm sure, but there have been serious problems on the fact that quite a few of the new trains, Viva Rails, for example, have just not been running, uh, which means it's been old trains for a very long time. Anyway, not good. Not good. So, we must press on. And you might be thinking, you know, why is Toby... Why? Um, why are we doing this episode when there's so much rubbish going on on our rail network? Why, why is it important for us to answer, ask, and answer this question? You know, the question of should we go fast or slow over collapsing rail bridge? Well, of course, it's because in CP7 the plan is to let lots of our rail bridges collapse. Control Period Seven, the next five-year funding period starting from 2024, Um, the plan is to just let everything go to, to absolute hell, to decay, for the bridges to get to the point where we might just close them a lot. So, actually, this question is is a relevant one for for particularly for our driving listeners, um, but also for uh for just anyone out there who's in a train and might you know be in a situation where you have to shout go faster or go slower to the driver as they take a running jump over a collapsed bridge. Um, no, I mean, I'm obviously being slightly hyperbolist, but no, there's a serious point here, which is um, the current plans. Well, Once again, the rail regulator failing to do anything about challenging how much of a mess the proposals are. Um, you know, the, the the network rails proposals for Control Period 7 should simply not have got past the Office Rail and Road. But because the Office Rail and Road is uh, completely toothless at this point, um, there's nothing they could do. Very frustrating. Anyway, Toby here sat on uh, on. It's Toby. I, I, Toby was always they, them to me. I don't know why. Like, Toby is. I grant you, a, like, is he in the series? But I always saw Toby as 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 NB, to be honest. Genuinely, when I was watching the show as a kid, I was like, I always thought Toby was. Well, I thought Toby was a girl, and I thought to, like. So I, to my mind, Toby is NB. Anyway, um, so uh, Toby, they, them uh, here on their tightrope, um which is fun because it's a lovely bit of model making from on the part of, of, of Britt Allcroft here. Very nice job they've done. Um, and secondly, this is kind of what our episode's all about, isn't it? So let's um, let's have a think. What what are we going to do? Um, well, firstly, let's watch the video that inspired this episode, which went out, so, someone shared it, and it was, it's this Spanish diesel locomotive going over the top of uh, where once there was a bridge and now there isn't. Yikes. Oh, well, it's slipping back. A little bit of extra juice. It's a very familiar sounding engine though, isn't it? Is that basically, flat- nerds out there, is that basically flat 67? But, but different, slightly different. What is the engine in there? Someone tell me what the engine is in that. It does sound like it's a, nice a 66. Oh, yeah, it possibly is a 66. It might be like an EMD sausage machine yeah, thing. Although the 66 and 67 do sound. Possible. Anyway, there you go. That's a locomotive, a diesel locomotive over a gap. Now this wasn't a washout, I don't think. I think this was. I think the story in there is um, uh, is that someone nicked the bridge. They just nicked the bridge outright. They just just nabbed it, uh, which is obviously not the best. Um, anyway, so here is the. Uh, do you know what? Let's bring my small face in, in the corner. Hello, everyone. It's me. I'm here. Uh, in the corner looking mustachioed. so I'm, I'm looking particularly 70 actually I'm looking particularly 70... like uh you know what I look like I look like a, a US union guy in my current outfit blue collar the works uh I, 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 yeah, yeah judge my fit as you will anyway right so we have a bridge with uh, some tracks going over the top um someone nicked the bridge and obviously then the rails sort of sag and the sleepers fall off so this is our little graphic representation we're gonna use plenty of um, and when we watch the train, go Over the top of this, which was bold, let's just put it that way. So, the question is uh, oh, firstly, actually, this is a situation which we've seen a few times on film. Uh, probably most notably, all oh, of the ones that stuck to my mind is um, good but quite racist. Well, it's not, yeah, yeah, it's I, you know, I'm not gonna call it racist, it's a film that has not stood the test of time well. Um, about it's Northwest Frontier, which was a film put out just over 10 years after partition um set in what was then you know in in the time of the film is the northwest frontier what is now pakistan pakistan by the way is a name that was literally made up by the british if you search it it's the name it's a it's a combination of the four regions that formed pakistan anyway there's a lot of history that first to discuss at some point about partition in the rail well, all the railways in partition i think uh because uh not good uh, also good, but also not good. Anyway, I digress horribly. This film, Northwest Frontier, um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a ripping yarn, but the, the, we've got to apply a critical eye to its representation of, of the Muslim population in it, and also some slightly, slightly weird, suspect racializations of the, the, the protagonist, the, the main antagonist. Anyway, it, the, the, there are some excellent roles in it. However, the one key action sequence in the film is. The little little engine victoria going over the top of this blown up bridge um and there's, there's some lovely sets and bits and pieces where they go over this sort of over this bridge and, and it's just two rails hanging on their own um, and they they all do the thing where they walk over the rails and it's very dramatic and there's some fantastic matte paintings in the background here there's some lovely matte work here look at this fantastic matte painting work here uh, really nice work um with some models there's some models and then the the, the actual bridge itself um which we, we um, for start so yeah this is this is this is a good film by the way um with uh other than if you if you kind of park the, the the slightly like aren't we wonderful you know us us british we're just the arbiters we're the good we're just the the happy international policemen there's like the the us versus uk dynamic which or us versus british empire dynamic which is also interesting um but overall it's it's like there's actually some of the best lines are anti-colonial lines from herbert Lom's character which stand up really they, they stand up pretty well anyways it's directed by the same person who directed ice cold and alex anyway i digress the reason i'm talking about films if you want to talk about railway films jump back to episode 93 the official rail are top 10 classic railway films episode go and do that watch that <laughs> anyway um interestingly uh, northwest frontier did not make the top 10 but it's very good anyway point being as man in c61 uh pointed out this um the bridge, the viaduct in question, not this one, this is just a actually this might have been a, a shot of the real thing, and they've just kind of taken the they've just kind of knocked the um the, the parapet off. But the, it was filmed on the Juela Zafra Railway in Spain. Um in uh, and um so it's Spanish. So in a way it's relevant to our video where we look at the the this situation. So anyway, the digression of all that is that's probably the famous sequence of the trail. And they went slow, but did they do the right thing? Did they do the right thing? Fast or slow? Well, before I answer the question, we've got a little cameo. That's right, we've got a little cameo from a friend of the show. So I'm going to get rid of my face, and let's have a little listen to what our, um, what our, what our uh, chum Mark might have to say about this.
1: Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Mark Kipwell-Skulls. Uh, I'm sorry for intruding uh, your normal rail natter catch-up, but I've added sort of a a few of my thoughts to today's rail natter. Um, uh, If you follow me on Twitter, you know that I'm a massive bridge enthusiast and we're going to cover a really interesting topic, which is uh, this sort of scenario where a massive train is going to cross a little gap with uh, no bridge because the poor old bridge has been washed away. Seems to have been inspired by this video that Gareth shared early today and I think has shared previously. Um, As you can tell in the bottom corner, the bridge has disappeared. There is no bridge. Um, I've sort of simplified it down uh, here on PowerPoint. Uh, This has taken me hours. We've got a train. It's poodling along a technical turn there and it gets to a gap and there is just the rail and sleepers. Um, sort of looking at the the video again we've sort of got four points of contact with our rail and then we've got the locomotive above I think that's the right term um, I guess just a, a first sort of interesting question is that is the loading scenario going on within there presumably there's an engine presumably there's sort of petrol or diesel or fuel sort of sloshing about you know do you have a heavy engine at the back is it at the front do you have a big steel sort of stiff uh, axle running through the train or is it sort of you know uh, just sort of effectively a, a thin sort of steel metal box so it's got a bit of flexibility do it you think about those things as though sort of fir- that first point of contact starts to come on into the gap uh, where you might have sort of that front wheel is cantilevering um, you know in, a, in an idea in a scenario where perhaps there was just the track you know, that would likely bend pretty quickly, it would fall through the gap and your train would would disappear into it. Um, In reality, we're looking at, you know, steel is heavy. It's probably going on for a significant period either side of that gap. You've got friction holding it in place between probably the sleeper and the pins. Just the weight of the steel itself, it's a heavy material. Um, as it starts to, as we can see in the videos, it starts to sort of creep across the gap. It starts to bend pretty quickly. That would suggest that perhaps it's, you know, two sets of wheels, maybe on some sort of bogey, maybe that in itself will rotate, my apologies if I'm using the wrong train words. Uh, more of a bridge guy than a train guy. Um, as I said, you know, you might have those sort of those wheels will rotate um, so that that first point of contact will sort of, you know, that first set of wheels will will dip down and rotate and start to work its way across the steel. Is the steel strong enough? Um, if those wheels do rotate, will that carriage uh, start to sort of tilt or or will it hold quite stiff Do do you end up with sort of bending in the middle I'm not sure how much movement there is within those axles you've probably want to limit that in some way I'm not really sure get to a scenario where you know two sets of wheels are either side of the gap you'd like to think that there's no loading on that that rail now Um, And then, of course, the second set will start to come across and leaning. and, And again, you know, if there is liquid in there, would it start to slide towards the back and make the back end heavier? I'm not sure. Um, you know thoughts about the material itself you know steel is very strong concrete for example is is a fragile I say fragile but it's a sort of a ceramic material it tends to go bang when it fails because it sort of you know a bit bit like a a ceramic plate whereas steel is sort of more of an elastic material you know like an, an elastic band or you know a paper clip that you might bend too much you know will you find yourself in a scenario where that steel is permanently damaged but maybe you can't see that thinking about the loading on the rail itself. Uh, again, I don't know too much about the train wheels, but, you know, they, they've got an angle on them, I believe, so that as they go around corners, they can sort of, you know, your centrifugal force force will, will push them up and down. You know, will your load not go straight onto the uh, the track maybe there's a sort of a rotational force to that is that gonna aid or make your life trickier with sort of lateral torsional buckling that you might find on beams that aren't restrained so they want to sort of wibble and wobble as you load them they, the buckling is the clamp or the the pins that hold uh, the the track to the sleepers going to uh, assist with lateral torsional bucking? I don't know. All really good questions. I think there's even more to go into this that I just haven't been able to cover. Um, so, in summary, I think it's a really interesting question. I've, I cannot wait for us to sort of explore into that. Uh, you know, it, the, the answer could be as simple as that railway is pretty fixed in place, it's a thick steel beam it's strong enough um, but I don't think that's the case I think there's going to be loads more interesting going on and should you be going over it slow should you be going over it fast uh, and then the other thing you know just a quick uh, PSA sort of life hack just keep the bridges I would keep the bridges in place make life easier bridges are really cool uh, keep them there don't lose them uh, enjoy tonight's round that uh, I'm going to stop talking I'll see you guys soon bye
0: um, th- th- thank you. Thank you very much indeed, Mark, for, for, for that setting, sending for that wonderful video. I was like, Mark, do you want to just do like a, a quick little vid just to, you know, what, what your thoughts are? And Mark sent me this joy. So, uh, thanks very much indeed, Mark, for that. That's, that's glorious. So, you can find Mark on Twitter, at MarkHipwell1990. Uh, uh, go do that. Uh, so, thanks, Mark. Yeah, loads of stuff that, that we'll touch on in more detail there. Um, I, I wanted a, a bridge engineer to, to come in and say some, to have some bridge thoughts. And so, there's lots of interesting bridge thoughts in there. As Mark would say, Mark, might not be a a, a trained person. I mean, basically neither am I, but um, lots of, some lots of things that we're going to go through and think there. But before we do that, before we do that, I want us to just have a little think about what engineering is to start with. What is engineering? Engineering, and this is, Absolutely critical. And I don't know, hopefully I've done this before in Real matter, but it's really important that everyone knows what engineering is because this is, this is really key stuff. Um, uh, and this for me is like one of the most important things that everyone should have in their mind when we uh, talk about engineering. What is engineering? Engineering. Engineering is the art of modelling materials we do not wholly understand into shapes we cannot precisely analyse so as to withstand forces we cannot properly assess in such a way that the public has no reason to suspect the extent of our ignorance. That is engineering. So if ever you have a senior engineer or a boss who goes, who writes down this, goes assume, and then never and says something rubbish like, "I'm looking at you, Mike Ashton," says something rubbish like, "Never assume anything because you'll be making an ass out of you and me." Uh, tell them that they're a silly billy because literally everything engineering is about, literally every single thing is assumptions. We assume, this is what it's saying here, we assume... Uh, the materials that we use fit within the parameters that we expect them to, you know, concrete cube strength, steel strength, yield strength, mod- elastic modulus. We assume that the shapes that we've designed them to, the, the, the your I-beam, your rail, are to certain tolerances, but those tolerances are not infinitely accurate. They're, you know, they're slightly out and, you know, that your concrete is the right shape, that you've you, the, the concrete hasn't spalled a certain amount. Um, we you know the forces we assume that we know what vehicles are going to be going over but has it been overloaded you know uh, is it is it wonky all these sorts of things and we have to do that in such a way that the public trusts us implicitly so that they go about their daily business that's what engineering is all about i love it that's absolutely what it is all about um anywho so um what else can do oh uh, there's a few points so my hack history uh Lynn Manfu is saying the Pakistan name wasn't made up by the British but by the Muslim league ah well that reassures me somewhat anyway we shall press on um so we're going to go through a few different things and we're going to kind of take an angle of, uh, of, of we're going to go through a few of these one word points that I think help influence us in in our hunt for the answer to the, the slow fast question um uh, Martha Lawn repeating, uh, Mike Ashton's, uh, thing. Yeah. So, uh, th- thanks Martha. Yes. Yeah, so, um, I, I realized that the video is ahead. Anyway, right. Gravity. So we- we're going to start in the way that often we do at the simplest end of our discussions, which is with a nice bluff body, just a thing that, that has infinite, these small, uh, dimensions and has some mass. And if we, um, if we just drop that thing, um, it drops to the ground and, and everyone here, well, maybe you don't, basically this drops to the ground, um, with an acceleration of g. We call it g because that's g due to gravity, which is, by the way, uh, 9.8 uh, meters per second uh, squared. Um, so that's, that's how much that is. So that means that it starts here at, at 0 meters per second, uh, and by the time it gets down here, it is at... Um, uh, da, 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 uh, U equals basically like this times the, the time, so it's you know it'll be acceleration times uh, the, the distance. Except it is because it's basic mechanics. You know you know the stuff, right? So um, the point is it'll be going faster by the bottom. Uh, now, don't laugh at me. We're getting there. Let's take the same object, and this object. So the first object, object one here, um, was. Uh, we just dropped it. This one, however, object two here has a little bit of of forward. It's got a little bit of momentum. It, it's moving at a steady speed forwards. Um, so if that little object, if we then, so if it, for example, comes off the end of a ledge, um, it will have a parabolic. Um, it will have a parabolic sort of trajectory like this, but it will still accelerate downwards at the same speed. So it will be st- by this point here. They're going to be going at the same speed. They'll be going at v, v there for speed. They'll be going at the same speed, right? Um. Likewise, if it's going a bit faster this way, parabolic shape, it will still reach this. point. It'll still have the same speed, and the point is that it'll hit this. It'll hit the deck here at the same time, no matter how fast it's going this way, right? This is relevant to our problem. So if you're going really fast, here we are uh, in object four here, going really fast, but again. It's going to hit the ground here at the same time, but if, say, your ledge is here, then the distance that your thing has gone down, if, say, there's another ledge at the other side, will be less if your thing has gone along and you're going. So the faster you go, the less distance the thing will have dropped by before it reaches the other side of the ledge so you'd think wouldn't you you'd think that fast is good and this is why people often think fast is good so you'd think well okay so if i go super super fast along here then the amount that i'm going to drop by is not much and so surely going faster is better whereas if you go really slowly then the amount that you drop you know that that amount that you drop by will be um you know you'll drop by a lot more by the time you reach the end of the bridge, right? So you might think, ah, so fast is what we want to do. The trouble is, this is not a perfect system. And as we're going to explain as we go through other things, there's a lot more at play. And the most complicated part of that, probably, of all the various things, we're going to jump from a very simple set of modelling to a very complicated set of modelling. We're going to look at dynamics. And dynamics is... Well, in the case of railways, it's loads varying by time. Um, uh, here we go. here's, here's kind of a, what, what do I mean by that? Well, in the case of railways, dynamic modeling means that there's a system you know loads are varying with time. It's not just a, 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 a simple linear situation. So often when you're using dynamic modeling, you'll have uh, often you'll have a spring, there's a spring connecting two bodies. So here's body, body one. And body two. And you'll also have a damper. There's a damper. And this is a, a, a simple Hertzian way to model. So it's a, a kind of a, a, a mathematical way to model the relationship between two things. So the interface between two things, how do you model that relationship? For example, between a train and its bogey. Or between uh, a sleeper and, uh, and the subgrade. Or between the rail... And a sleeper, with a, and you could almost say that the spring and damper is is, is acting as the uh, as the as the pad between those two. So, so here is the uh, so here, so this, basically, you can take this and you can start modeling your train. So here's here's our train, and you can see we've got a um, we have here we've got. Uh, sort of a a spring damper combination to the bogey that's the secondary suspension of the train we've got the spring damper system to the wheels that's the primary suspension of the train Uh, and then likewise on the other side as well so we've got vehicle we've got bogey we've got wheels there um and then underneath that we have this big old complicated system which is um here's hell and there is some springiness that connects hell to what we're calling um, our, our, sort of, our sort of subgrade system, our ballast, if you like. Or perhaps we're, we're treating this as kind of the subgrade or the earthwork. So we have sort of what we're treating as our boundary condition, which might be bedrock or whatever. We've got the kind of the soil mass. Then you might have this, this interface here, which you might say is the ballast. So you've got the springiness of the ballast damping effects of the ballast uh, each of these sleepers then obviously has a connection to the rail via fastening system and a pad and then the rail itself above that this is still quite simple modeling because you're kind of treating these as fairly simple beams there's a lot of additional complex behavior and then the relationship between the two so you've got you can't think of these as, as individual separate systems these have a relationship but the relationship between the wheel and the rail is a more straightforward. I mean, it's it's still an incredibly complex interface, but you can model it just as a spring interface. You don't need to think of there's no there's no damping effect between the two, even though uh, there it actually is. And what else can I say about this? Well, if I go briefly big face, uh, that's desk cam. We'll get to desk cam in a minute. If I just lean behind me and get S felt out, here is S felt uh, second edition. There's probably a newer one. This is an incredibly dated-looking book, but it has some really good stuff in it. Uh, all sorts of stuff about a slab track and all sorts. Much good railway science in here, um, including some very funky OLE. Look at this funky OLE. Look at that. Anyway, uh, if I was, if I go to desk cam, here anyway, we are. We've got desk cam. There we go. And let's just angle down to desk cam here. So if I was to section 6 here, this uh, ballasted track, fine. Track stability and longitudinal forces, fine. Uh, track stability, there we are, 6. 6, dynamic track design, here we are. You start seeing some of the stuff that you can do to look at modeling. Now, just whiz back here. Uh, Applicator dynamic models, dynamic models. You can start seeing, if I hold this up, this is some of the derivation of, of various, and these inverted commas, simple equations um, to, to to look at dynamic forces uh, including this this here there's some good some good complex nice uh, equations here looking at relating to dynamic forces so dynamics gets quite complicated and um, yeah and all of this is about if we was back here you can see there, there we are there's a nice there's a nice version of the diagram I just drew talking about uh, the car body and the, the the dynamics between the two and the way they behave why is this relevant let's leave. Conrad over there because getting that shelf out there is impossible why is this relevant well let's go back to our small face because if you can imagine that you have this sort of behavior between you you do not have a system a system where as your vehicle goes forwards all of that you know the the vehicle does not as one just fall perfectly like that like our simple little bluff body we had earlier there's an interrelationship between all of these different C- connecting out well certainly if you go back to just looking at the vehicle all these different suspensions that will extend that will drop that will have a certain rate of dropping it along with the damping based on what it's wh- whacking because these things the point of, of, of um, primary and secondary suspension is to is to is to kind of get rid of some of those uh short wavelength bumps uh in the road um and to make the journey that much more comfortable um so with that in mind let's now talk about because we're talking about dynamics. Well, following on from dynamics, we need to talk about waves, because there are waves to think about. Here is a schematic representation of the rail. There's a rail and a wheel. There's a nice a nice rail wheel. Here's, here we are, a nice wheel. Um, hopefully, that's clear to all of you. Uh, do send questions if you have any, by the way. Um, I will try to explain things clearly. Hopefully, this will all stitch together by the end, right? So, we have our wheel and our rail, and as the wheel, if you can imagine, this wheel is going this way. And actually, it's imparting forces because the top of the rail isn't perfectly smooth. The wheel isn't perfectly smooth. And the conditions underneath are not perfectly consistent either. So there's a constant little vibration, a feeling of vibration. You feel it when you sit in a train. Even the most perfect smooth track, even if you do the one-pound coin test on the on, on a Shinkansen, there are still vibrations. You still have these high-frequency little vibrations that are kind of going on Um, and and you might have things like cyclic top as Tim Ballins pointed out there, hi Tim, Um, and as a result of that you get little little sort of um, sort of interaction little little kind of impact waves and actually these waves propagate so if you can imagine you've got your contact point here some of those waves propagate within the rail within the actual body of the rail and then they hit back, and they do things like this, and they do things like this, and they still propagate through the rail. Some of those kind of sounds, you know, some of those are sounds of vibrations that you can hear when you stand down at the end of a length of continuous welded rail. So you get these waves moving around inside the, the rail. So that's so there's some of the vibrations. You have, you get some other vibrations that can be more impactful actually, and these are actually what we call rally waves on the railhead, So you get rally waves in the track that propagate as, as big waves that can cause subgrade issues, but you also get little rally waves, these little P waves, actually fl- whizzing along in front of the wheel. And in fact, um, a, a consideration of why cyclic top happens is that the wheel essentially catches up with these waves. It reaches a critical speed where it catches up with these waves and essentially shaves the, t- <laughs> wears, it wears the peaks more than the troughs and you end up, and then that kind of, at that point, you've cyclic top. By the way, is is where you sort of have these these sort of actually cyclic top and corrugations. So you get these these patterns of uh, these kind of corrugations in the railhead, and and those then self propagate because you get the wave a, a natural wave forming that then wears them even more, and they sort of grow and grow and grow. Anyway, these waves that go along in front of the wheel uh, vary in amplitude based on all sorts of different conditions, um, and. If you can imagine those waves propagating through a rail, um, those waves will be quite substantial if your train is going really fast. If your train's going really slow, those waves either will simply not, you know, the vibration rate won't be enough to actually generate waves that propagate in that way. Um, you won't necessarily get those dynamic impacts that create those waves you know the little hammer effects you know the energy might not be enough to actually create those waves in the first place the the, 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 the waves are kind of the waves will essentially damp themselves out before they get very far um but if you're going fast those waves are big so small limited if any waves fast lots of waves in the rail um now if you're going over if you're whizzing along here and you our wheel that we were just talking about is here if you're going fast and um, do you really want there to be a, a wave propagating through this rail because by the time you catch if you do manage to get over the this this suspended rail um that wave and we'll come to another um subject matter shortly that wave behaves differently when it interacts with different stiffnesses so if the if there's a wave here it will behave differently uh, probably the amplitude will increase uh, when it is freed and allowed to be and it goes off the the fairly stiff sort of uh, system here where you've got your ledge freed out but then what's more worrying is what happens when that hits the stiffer system of the other abutment what's happening to the track materials at this point uh what's what you know so that so there aren't serious problems with um you know you're, you're going to potentially disintegrate the track materials on the other side if you've got a big if you've got a fast train and you've got rally waves traveling through those rails bad news um And I refer to stiffness there. Let's talk about stiffness, shall we? Let's talk about stiffness. So here we have the ground. Uh, We have the ground and we have uh, some water here or or something that we're we're crossing, whatever. Uh, We're going to build an abutment. Fine. Uh, We're going to then kind of build up an embankment behind that abutment of some kind. Uh, There would be some, you know, retention here of, of some kind uh, fine uh, and then we build a bridge deck so we've got a bridge we've got an abutment we've got the ground we've got embankment and we can lay some track on top happy days these are all nice happy easy things for us to um, first to, to comprehend right uh, the thing with bridges is that they are pretty stiff structures they're pretty well engineered you know, they are engineered as in they're highly engineered to be stiff they're, 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 the abutment the supporting structure here Is also very uh, is designed to be very stiff and supportive. The the structure itself very stiff. So that means that um, you have you kind of have a situation where you have um, a squishier and a stiffer side. So on the where you've just got um, sort of you know earthwork, uh, sorry you've got embankment kind of uh, and and earthwork on this side. It's quite a lot squishier than uh, than the much stiffer structure with the abutment underneath you know so you've got the abutment there you've got the bridge which is generally steel it's quite stiff stiff system but particularly the abutment is much stiffer so what that means is over time you will see there's two things going on here firstly the differential stiffness means you get a different response or a different dynamic response on either side of that. And, and we have to manage that as track. So we manage that with various things, whether it's a a, a transition structure, a transition slab that you actually install kind of a, at, uh, at this end. So you, you can actually install, uh, I'll show you what a transition slab actually looks like with a different... Different colour, shall we? Let's let's go for uh, let's go for dark red. You might well install like some sort of transition slab, like a, a little thing like this that, that's then doweled, that kind of dowelled in into the bridge structure, of, or in some way, or has some doweling to make sure that it's connected to the bridge but flexible. Um, and then you know this will have a different uh, level of of bendiness, so a different amount of bending, and and in a way, so up the, at this end it'll be stiffer, um, and then this end it'll be less stiff. Um, and sort of that then transitions the stiffness from the structure onto the earthwork. But you can also do it with fastenings. So you can do it with the actual fastenings. So you can choose to have softer fastenings on the bridge and then you know, use your conventional G44s and 5061 rail to be stiffer. On the other side, so in terms of the stiffness response, that's fine. But also, you get differential settlement, which is relevant, um, which is sort of half relevant to what we're discussing. We'll get we'll get to why, but anyway. So that's bad. Also, another thing that's bad is is when you have deck end rotation, which is a thing that can happen on bridges. That's also bad. And also, if you just entirely get rid of the deck, that's also really really bad. Hence the discussion that we're having now, right? So, um, let us look here. So if we take our if we take our dynamic model of the train. And think about it moving from the, uh, you know, even if it's even as it's going over the bridge in its intact form, you get a different. Let me get my old. uh, Let's see. We could probably do. We probably get the. uh, Should we go for the orange? Let's go for the orange. Actually, it's nice and clear. You can. You get. You generally get issues here anyway from the difference in response, particularly if you move. Say you've got a, a a bricked up abutment, and then from that point you've got kind of earthwork. You'll get, you'll get kind of a different response. You'll get different responses here and here, and this is something we have to manage to, to ensure that we're not seeing damage to trap materials or worse to the structure. Uh, you know, you can replace track materials fairly easily, even if it's annoying, but damaging the structure is bad news for cost and safety reasons. However, if you entirely get rid of the bridge deck until you just have rails, the stiffness response is going to be... Well, firstly, it's going to be the opposite direction. You'll have the stiffness of the abutments followed by the squishiness here... Um, and the dynamic movement of, of our of our system that we've got, you know, with our with our springs and then the vehicle. And and exactly as um exactly as Mark was describing, you know, you have a you have the system where the bogey and the wheels, the actual dynamic behavior is such that it might be that these wheels go essentially go airborne because of the damping of the uh, uh, because of the damping of the of the system, because of the way that suspension works if you're going fast. Uh, but eventually they're gonna come down uh, and meet our rails. And That wouldn't be good news uh, at all. Is to have the collision of wheel and rail at speed, Um, and the as we talked about already, we know that we've also if you're going fast, you have these these waves in the rail already. So the combination of the dynamic behaviour of the vehicle, differing stiffnesses between bridge and or or bridge abutment and floating rail, these are all bad news. Now, let us talk about materials because. There are other factors at play here, and actually, Mark alluded to some of them. I'm going to so obviously we know that rails are made of steel, so this is you know this is steel here. Uh, steel is very very strong; it's a very very strong material. Um, you pull a perfect you know a perfectly manufactured steel rail, pull it apart, and uh, it takes a hell of a lot of force before that thing is snapping. You know, an enormous amount of force. Um, and indeed we've you know the reason that rails fail isn't in, in pure you know it isn't isn't just because they snap from from being pulled apart because they're you know it's invariably propagates from a flaw of some kind an inclusion of flaw some damage something like that as we went through an episode back in way back in episode 29 100 ways for rail rails to fail i don't think we did 100 um you know, for example you know the, the rail would snap because it has a tacho vowel like this or, or something like that um now this graph here represents what steel does um, when you. So so this is stress, which is the, the kind of the, the force you're putting into the rail per per unit of area so if i'm pulling a, a an amount of obviously i'm pulling it if i'm pulling a thing and it's really stocky then there's less stress than if i'm pulling a thing that's really thin so putting the same force with my arms into a paper clip is different to me putting the same force into the golden pandrel clip behind me for example um so if i'm putting in a certain amount of stress this is the strain then at the bottom stress strain graph this is familiar to you weirdo engineers like me uh, strain is just a measurement of of how much the thing is deforming so it's how much the thing is deforming. Uh, it doesn't mean permanently. It can be impermanently, as we'll see here. So this section of the graph here, this is, uh, in fact, I've, I have I have a graphic for this. Oh, by the way, that that's where it snaps. So this is the behavior of steel. And actually, this section here, if you stretch the thing uh, up to this point, say, here, and then release it, it will snap back to its original position. It will snap back to its original position. That's called elastic behavior. So... Yeah, do I have anything elastic within arm's reach? No. <laughs> but I don't need to. Well, yeah. well kind of, because if I if I oh, yeah. if I bend, yeah, okay, there we go. If I'm bending this this, yeah, in fact, we can do. this good go big face momentarily. Here I have a cereal packet clip from a packet of cheese savories, or possibly some Scottish shortbread, one or other. Here is uh, the plastic clip. If I bend this thing uh, bending it there, you can see it, it it's snapping back to its original shape mostly and um, if I bent it and it didn't snap back into its original shape well that's the bit where we go if, if I go back to uh, the old uh, small face again. okay so it snaps back and, and steel does that you know paper clips do that all, all sorts of metal things do that that's fine and um, you get to a point where actually uh, if you keep pulling it, well, firstly, you get this thing called strain hardening, which is where um, the thing actually you you reduce the amount. Of, um, you it can it you put more stress into it, and the strain kind of slows down. Anyway, I digress. That um, you then move into this phase where, if I release it here, the de- it will be deformed. It'll be deformed by an amount here, and there will be some permanent damage to the thing by this amount. Um, and this gradient here is, is the Young's modulus of the elast- in, in elasticity. Uh, so yeah, if you do the deformation, um, you you, def- you, just, you put too much stress into the thing, you start deforming it permanently, and that's called the plastic phase. So if uh, at some point eventually the thing will go pop, um, and that's where you reach the the actual kind of ultimate tensile strength of the material, right? Or or, or could be compressive strength, but let's say it's tensile strength of steel. Um, and as we just talked about uh well, i need to to get rid of that animation didn't i anyway you get the point uh that's the elastic and the plastic region of of, of 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 steel and that's something we need to kind of think about for our bridge because if you put your heavy wheels on top of the the tracks here if you go slowly you will be deforming and potentially plastically deforming the rails but if you as we've discussed by all the previous stuff, if you go for the, I'm absolutely gunning it, here we go, let's let's absolutely go, and your wheels, say, end up basically landing on the rails at some point here, you're going to be applying a, a severe stress onto the rails, which might be enough to make them go ping. Because you might well, <laughs> you might well, by that enormous additional load, you might well actually snap the rail. Um. The other thing to think about in terms of track materials is um, the this rail here is being held up by, uh, or rather, I should say, it's, it's kind of being held up by all of these, all of the the connections here. So the fastenings uh, that actually hold it to the sleepers, so those also um, it's being held together by whatever kind of longitudinal connection there is, whether it's a fish plate or whatever, to the next section of rail as well. And likewise, the other side, you know, maybe there's a maybe there's a rail weld to the next rail fine but there is something holding that rail to keep the rail kind of consistent if you uh, to keep the rail up as it were if you um if you happen to blast it along here uh, and put enough force in to the and we'll get to energies forces and 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 the implications of fast versus slow along here if you put enough dynamic force into the um into the track you will potentially break these connections to the rails, they're holding the rails up, and all these fastenings might go, and the rail just might slide down into your crevasse, which would obviously be uh, no good. Um, so, someone is asking, not just anyone, Michael C. is asking, hypothetically, how fast would you have to go so that you could clear the gap without landing on and potentially snapping the hanging rails where the bridge should be? You can't, because no matter how fast and you go, there will be a drop of some amount there will always be some drop of some amount you can never go fast enough that your train vehicle is not going to drop some small amount which means that your wheels aren't you unless you've got a ramp either side okay fine assuming not because that's not how you don't put bridges like this in the middle of a, a vertical curve um, so assuming you've got either, you know, a steady grade or it's flat or a steady grade downwards, your train is going to hit a lower bit of, a lower bit of rail, no matter how fast you're going, which means that your train is going to, uh, smash it th- off its bogies and nose first into the thing. If it's going really, really fast, you know, you're going to make a real bloody mess. Um, we talk about dynamics, this relates a bit to energy. Uh, and so there's, there's a load of complicated stuff, but you can sort of simplify this. Uh, in, in, to an extent, you can look at energy as, as, as part of this because dynamics is related to energy and it's particularly related to kinetic energy where you have 0.5 times a mass times the square of speed. So half the mass multiplied by the square of the speed gives you kinetic energy, uh, which means that speed, not mass, is the dominant variable within the equation to work out how much energy is in a system is in a moving system right and, and obviously this gets much more complicated for the the, the the kind of the complicated system i was talking about a minute ago but essentially if you're going low speed that means that there is substantially less energy involved and, and what that means is if you've got if you're going nice and slow along here and you to the point where the wheel kind of follows along and fine the energy that is in, the, the actual energy involved in the in this system that we're describing here, is much lower. So that means that the any kind of, you know, the bump, for example, the bump that you'd have here going over this point, um, that if you've got low, low speed, low energy, that bump would hardly register. The suspension of the train will allow you to go over that little bump. If you're going really high speed, this will be a, an enormous bump and a bang, and it'll probably create a resonance in the, in the suspension of the train and it'll probably shake all this to bits. And the chances are you split those timbers and split the, rail, the rails would split apart and the train goes down through the middle. So again, if you're going fast, that means that you're create, you have a lot more energy in the system, which means there's a lot more energy going into the coll- collision with the, the bumps here and here. So lower speed means lower energy collisions with these bumps, which is good news for you getting over the bridge intact. Now, another thing, we've talked about the fact that this is not a perfect, we're not describing a perfect system here. This is a system that has imperfections. You know, it's got a bunch of crummy sleepers either side of it and, and attach the rails. It's got... Uh, you know, as you could see from the bridge abutments, they're kind of a bit messed up. But generally, the system always vibrates. So, you know, the perfect railway still has vibrations. We talked about these little vibrations, and some of those propagate as waves within the rail. Um, you know, we talked exactly. We talked about you know the fact that we have these waves that propagate through the rail, and that we've got waves that propagate at the, at the top of the rail as well. That's actually really bad. I mean, these are these are sine waves. So you know, it's like there we go. So, I, it was it started well, didn't it? And, and then and then likewise like kind of disappear off down the end anyway you get the point you get waves Um. so the combination of all these things you know the fact that you go over here and you're having these like the whole thing you go over this thing and the whole thing is shaking if you're going fast you're rattling and again if these if these sleepers drop off because these are really important and it's something that mark alluded to actually which is lateral torsional buckling of the rails so on a track system uh here's, here's your is your track the, the rails let's just draw some really simple rails here the rails are not or generally will not be flat on the sleeper like this they will actually be let's draw that again they will actually be uh, In. they will actually be let's draw this a bit better so it's nice and clear they will actually be inclined into the middle because this improved for a variety of reasons mostly wheel rail interface but also a little bit of overturning stability uh, they're actually inclined and, and as mark alluded to they're inclined to match the the wheel of the train because the uh, uh let's do this there we go uh, because again you've got the combination that's one in 20 or one in 40 depending on where you are the combination of this the um so the sleepers are there holding the holding that system in place with some form of fastening um, as again Mark alluded to. If those sleepers drop off and the two rails are there over any real length, they're going to want to, those those rails, firstly if you've got your two rails like this, uh, 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 those rails are going to want to spread outwards. And if those two rails spread outwards, your train is going down into the middle. Um, similarly, those the rails might well as exactly as Mark alluded to they might you might might get lateral torsional buckling where the rails kind of buckle outwards again uh, these are no longer supporting your train uh, if your train is no longer supported uh, it firstly it's not moving any further so at the bare minimum you have a train uh, stuck in the middle but more likely is again you're going to split these two uh, you're going to kind of split the rails uh, and the train is, you know, you've split engaged. The train's going down through the middle. So, fast or slow? Hopefully, <laughs> if we if we can imagine um, a system here where you have, uh, we just switch down here. Da, 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 da. If you can imagine here, we have our system, and as you saw in the video, they went slowly. They went slowly to minimise the amount of energy in the system, um, to minimise the risk of deforming the rails, plastically, to minimise the risk of knocking the sleepers off and the rails spreading, all these sorts of things. Um, you want to go really slowly, <laughs> you want to go really, really slowly um and and that is indeed how how, how they got across that's how uh, actually it's not I had to, toby had to be pulled back over what i quite like in the in the scene here firstly you've got the sleepers uh, authentically shown the sleepers attached here very nice uh, but also I quite, what i quite like is you can see that the model makers had to, to get the rail to be nice and bendy because at this level the rails just aren't bendy they're pretty rigid these nice modeling rails they use for whatever why what is this is it o gauge they use or like g gauge or something some big gauge they use to film these uh, models. They're lovely models by the way. Anyway, um this guy's this guy's not having a great time. Uh this guy's sideburns are pretty impressive. Anyway, I digress. You can see the little cuts they put into the rail so that it does so that it actually does the um actually does the bending thing. What I also quite like is all the sleepers have shifted and you can see the unweathered brass uh here of the of the of what I presume is brass or similar uh, rails as well. Very nice. Uh, similar here, a little brass mark. Anyway Lovely. There's, uh, they then, Toby, uh, stuck on, on their tightrope. So, basically, did the, Did our, our Renfrew uh, team, did the Spaniards uh, do the right thing going over that bridge? Well, no, they didn't. They should have just absolutely not done that and not taken the train over the rails. Do not do that. If you come to a collapsed bridge, don't go over it at all. Um but slow if if you're in a life-or-death situation or in the process of filming a Hollywood film or you're in some sort of general ripping yarn and you have to get across with your train go slowly go slowly anyway right all that good fun (laughs) oh and one other thing actually is um if you uh if if you happen to want to model this in BeamNG and show us the results, uh, we'll feature it in the next rail after when you do it. So um yeah, BeamNG would be a fun way to show this in action. I have a sneaking suspicion it would be highly entertaining uh, to understand uh, which one would work and which one would not. Um in any case, that, <laughs> yes. Oh, and also um do send me more of these big questions of what to do and what not to do because um. Uh, this is fun. <laughs> I had a lot of fun pulling together the answer for this. Send, send more physics challenges. Um, yeah, do that and, and see what happens. Uh, I I would I'd love to love to hear from you, hear your big railway questions. Ideally, come uh kind of with with Hollywood uh accompaniments. Um, and, and we can think about it. And it might get featured in. It. I might do yet one more of those. Um, uh, watching the silver screen and engineer watches episodes. Anyway. Uh, Gareth, have you considered what you need to do when there is an evil train chasing you? Wouldn't you want to go quickly to destroy the trap behind you and strand the people following you? Uh, that's uh, that's Ina asking that. Well, yeah, this is the around the world in 80 days question, isn't it? Which is, if you go really fast, will you destroy the trap behind you? I would argue that um, I would prefer to uh, be alive and just outrun that said evil train than more likely just demolish the idea that you can outrun a bridge collapsing is not happening as we said if you're going fast you're not demolishing the bridge behind you you're going down with the failed bridge you're doomed um uh, anyway yes so uh, that is that's that's it that's it what what, what are your thoughts and questions everyone any, any other thoughts while we're here um yeah, exactly. The, yeah, Torsten, uh, Torsten, you're right. You uh, know, you'd want to destroy the track after you, not the track you're currently on. Well, precisely. Um, so, send those questions. Ryan Hogg, you've got one. Send those questions through. Yeah, question of what, did, what happens if you go over a flooded track. That's an, a, a good example of an interesting one. Um, so, uh, yeah. Andy Ash saying, if this did happen, then the track would twist. The whole train system is very unstable along its axis. It will roll faster than it will picture your ground that solves the roll problem. Um, yeah, it's it's true. That's that's a good point. So what what the whole thing kind of just rolling kind of this way with the train on it, the stability over anything more than a very short span, like the one you saw in that, the, both pairs of rails will kind of just like end up twisting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yes, there we go. Anyway, uh, yeah, Martha Lauren. Yeah, it, did, it blew my mind when I realized that plastic is called plastic because it's plastic. You know, these are the great revelations, aren't they? Anyway, I digress. Um. Everyone, that was a real narrative. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for watching. It's been fun to have you all along. I've enjoyed that one. Uh, short and sweet. Um, Aaron James, can you do an episode titled If... G- uh, we'll do. We'll, we'll I'll come back to questions a moment before I end the episode. Anyway, uh, audio only listeners, thank you for joining. This episode will be uh, out within the next week, as ever. Uh, but you already know that because you're listening right now. Uh, as ever, the plugs. Patreon.com slash Gath Dennis um, for to support this happening. Uh, do like and subscribe all the YouTube videos, by the way. I've changed it on YouTube. It's now a proper podcast. It's now officially a podcast on YouTube, whatever that means. And it should make it a bit easier to navigate. If you go onto the podcast page on, on my YouTube channel, there is just one. It's Railnatter. And, and it now lists them in reverse order. So it's much easier to find and, 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 and listen through, which is... Um, Yes, other people pointing out that plastics can be non-plastic, like Bakelite is a good example of a, of a, a plastic that's actually uh, not plastic. Anyway, um, it doesn't have plastic behaviour particularly. Right, so, uh, UK slash merch to go to the Teespring website and get some merch. Uh, I have, not discontinued, but I've just parked the, we've got this, sort the, the Rail Natter sort not a Metro sorter, because the text is too small on some of the products but not all of them i think for this one it's good but on the hoodie they're too small and you can't quite read them which is really annoying so i need to just go through and, and double check so if anyone's got that send pictures of it to, if you've got the nata sorter uh, and tell me how it is uh, i'm not a million percent happy with the quality of the mugs but actually i was comparing a, i've got a couple now and i was comparing the quality of the mugs with the old masquette mugs and they're, they're they're not dissimilar actually it just happens to be that printing on mugs is is a bit of a mixed bag anyway that's gareth dennis Okay, slash merch paypal.me slash gareth Dennis for throw abuse comments change anything you like at me um that's fun and fine um what else oh and <laughs> discord gaff uk slash discord for the, this chat the chat that's been going on and i've been enjoying um continues forever in the discord server which is just a community of lots of lovely people who like transport like rails it's not all train nerds believe it or not although they, they do form a substantial Uh, majority of the ranks I will admit next week next week is going to be a fun one Um, and we do I am lining up some guests I know I've not had guests for a while it's because guests involve organising and I've just not had the mental space for organising but we have some interesting guests coming up Episode 165, however, this next one is not a guest episode, um, although we do have some people to thank. What really happened when the Tesco Tunnel collapsed? Ooh, because we have the report. We have the disaster report, which tells us what happened. And I'm very excited about... So I did so if you remember the original episode of this was what was it like ages ago? Was it like episode eighty nine or something? I don't know, a long while ago when we talked about the Tesco tunnel collapse. We did this as a previous episode. But we didn't know exactly what had happened and who to blame. Well, thanks to the Information Commissioner's Office and a long battle with uh, the completely obnoxious team at the HSE who have just had zero interest in publishing this, probably for legal reasons. Um we're going through that damn report and we're going to point fingers at people and I'm very excited about it. So this will be fun. Anyway, um, it is time for us to draw the episode to a close. But before we do that, we must answer some of your questions because quite a few have just come through. Uh, Aaron James, can you do an episode titled If Gareth Enns came to power and just list all the things I'd change? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I'd start. Uh, Michael C. I'd actually really like to watch Oh, me doing uh, a, an engineer watches bullet train. Uh, yeah, I do need to do a, a scene or two from Bullet Train. Yeah, if there's a train-based scene on YouTube from Bullet Train that you'd like, send me the YouTube links to scenes you'd like me to do, and then I'll do them um, at some point. Although not not at the moment, because, uh, baby. Uh, da, 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 da. What next? Um, Here we are. Contrapunctus mammalia here. Um, oh, that's a good point. Jack. you're right. They're, okay, so I was talking about reality, but Jack, you are right. If you want something to orbit the planet... At ground level then you have to go very fast but in order to drop away at the rate of the curve so as you go forwards and and you reach the point where you're dropping at the same rate that the curvature of the earth means you're dropping you've entered orbit and to enter orbit at ground level requires you to go very 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 fast um, and given the thickness of the air almost impossible and also trains going at nineteen thousand miles an hour is is also tricky however um yes you you are right i was being unfair michael c there is a theoretical speed but i was talking about actual train speeds you're never going to manage it um, rob brewer the return of the tesco tunnel yeah i know right i'm excited about this one someone's saying uh, watch unstoppable uh oh yeah, there are a few scenes things you have to pick the scene i don't want to do the whole film that's just not a thing pick a scene an, an iconic scene in there and we'll pick at it um Anyway, right. Okay, grand, everyone. F- thank you to Mark was skulls for joining, uh, for, for, for the, the cameo appearance. Uh, Mark, if you're joining this after the fact, thank you so much. That was a, that was a fun little entry. Hopefully my, my points matched onto yours and made some level of sense of you know, the combination, but it was a fun little cameo. Oh, I should get more cameos from people. If you want to do a cameo on a rail now, let me know. Anyway, I'm waffling onwards. I'm going to take a little sip of cordial oh lovely bit of elderflower and i am going to wave vigorously at you all everyone have a lovely rest of the evening the weather's getting a bit nicer over here so enjoy some of that get out see friends family um and um take care of yourselves everyone cheerio (laughs) cheerio